0: welcome to revive mercy podcast i know when it comes to hope or it doesn't really sound like it makes sense when we talk about all the tragic issues when it comes to substance use and mental health but without uncertainty unfortunately there cannot be hope um they kind of exist together and yes it can be messy today i have a good friend returning to share her inside her experience regarding holding on to hope as we pay tribute to both Recovery Month and Suicide Prevention Week. Thank you, Morgan, for um, coming on and uh, agreeing to share your insight.
1: Of course. Thank you so much, Robert. It's always a pleasure to come on Revive Ministries podcast. I really enjoy collaborating with you and I just love all the work that you're doing in our community. And um, it's always a a privilege and a pleasure. So thank you.
0: It's, It's always it is humbling to kind of hear all these stories all and and also understanding that it's not the hard part of it is not um actually at the same time gives us that much hope you know and i want to share with those who are listening a disclaimer if you are in crisis seek i encourage you to seek appropriate professional help immediately the crisis hotline in the united states is 1-800-273-8255 but wherever you are in the world those who are listening outside, I do encourage you to find what resources are there because support can come in very different ways. Again, uh, I always start off with <laughs> my podcast with a quote because I know people have said it better than I have. And Napoleon Bonaparte says it this way, and I want to hear your insight: it says, Courage is not, isn't having the strength to go on. It's going on when you don't have the strength or strength. What comes to mind when you hear that courage isn't having the strength to go on. It's going on when you don't have the strength.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's easy to be brave and have courage when you know the outcome of something and when it's easy. And, um, I know from my own recovery experience, there were a lot of unknowns, a lot of uncertainty. And, um, I wasn't really ready to get help until I had absolutely, um, zero like idea how to get out of the hole that I had, I had put myself in. And, um, for me, like as far as leaning on other people and, um, and just having the courage to ask for help, I think is key. And so it just really takes me back to that place of uncertainty and um, just not knowing. And I I think that that's like the most beautiful place a person can be in whenever it comes to early recovery um, or even just contemplating recovery is just not knowing. And in those moments, reaching out to people who do know and allowing them to carry you through the process.
0: There's something very honest about like that, like just not knowing. You know, a lot of us try to lie to ourselves how much we know or how much, you know, if only if I do this. And a lot of times we, call, we get ourselves even more discouraged if it doesn't pan out. You know, when I look at this quote, I say, I think of myself like strength and how we view it. It has shown me personally what I find valuable, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, in recovery, like you said, this uncertainty can be un- overwhelming at times. And you kind of shared this array, but I, I kind of want to ask, you know, give an opportunity, what has helped you move past some of the uncertainty? We're still in it. It's just like, how do you look at it differently when you look at uncertainty?
1: Yeah. I mean, I believe that uncertainty still places me in a uh, position of fear at times. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's been a lot of uncertainty over the last year and a half, two years now. And um just kind of in the world around us and, um, for me like what has helped me move past that is really connecting like getting grounded and connecting i do a lot of meditation a lot of prayer a lot of breath work Mm -hmm. and um, when i take the moment to pause and and truly connect with what's valuable and important to me in life um, i'm capable of of being okay with the uncertainty
0: you know um i was reading for myself and then someone else actually kind of said the same thing when it comes to substance use you know in recovery month and um that the thing was um the opposite of what addiction they say is connection like 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 not sobriety it is is connectiveness because a lot of times we ask the wrong questions (laughs) not why do you do this you shouldn't do this i'm like well what happened that's the question we may have to ask and um you know i thought i found that really for me you know because substance use could look very different from someone watching someone <laughs> versus yeah. someone experiencing it and uh, we talked about uncertainty and i, I just kind of drew up this quote and i was gonna not use this so soon i was actually uh, it's from jeff foster and I, I love what it how it kind of it's kind of haunting it says leave everything undefined including yourself befriend uncertainty fall in love with mystery Kneel at the altar of not knowing. Give your questions time to breathe, and the answers will find you. It's, for me, it's hard for us to slow down, you know, and for us to say, give our questions time to breathe. I don't have time. I, I have to. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I
1: mean? It always um, feels so urgent. <laughs> I know.
0: And um, I don't know, like growing up, I just, I, I kind of felt like that kind of, you know, as simple you know, as a lot of people struggle with nicotine, you know, and as we we kind of overlook it, but for me, when I was in the military, I I used to chew tobacco all the time <laughs> because I had to stay awake. I just remember, uh, it made me feel sharp at the time, but when I got out, I would say, well, I want to stay s- the same sharpness, so I justified in my mind, I'm not working 13, 14 hours anymore. <laughs> Yeah. But, and, but somehow I can lie to myself that because of this I'm gonna be more useful yet more valuable because I'm more busy. And you don't yeah. allow the room to reflect is the point. So um I just wanna share that kind of thread and um you
1: Yeah, know, I really I really like that a lot. I mean it brings up a lot for me the idea of control
0: mm-hmm. and
1: um if there's anything in my life that has been proven that I cannot control, that is my, my substance use. And even dealing with like mental health and, and depression, like, like sometimes it's out of the realm of my control. Like all I can do is just try to take actions and, and reach out for help and living a life, you know, in active addiction, I was constantly in a position of reacting, you know, reacting to the world around me. And, um, And for me today, it's so important to once again, bring it back to a place of being centered, grounded and connected and, um, and just allowing things to unfold. Like, I think that if, if I'm truly in a position of, of understanding, and this is for me, and, and I don't know how you feel about this, Robert, but if I'm Mm -hmm. truly in a position that God is in control, Mm -hmm. then I have absolutely nothing to fear. And it took me a lot of years to get to that that place and so that's truly how i survive um Mm. uncertainty in most times because i have to remember that i'm not in control and um
0: i I, I do appreciate um you know i never (laughs) i I never deter people's personal well well, because you know recovery is different for everyone what works is different and um i don't proselytize because i know how how you know me being a leader in the church even me being a leader in the church, I know how much damage church per se can um, do to people. I know that people can hide. Most people can hide the best in church <laughs> from God. Okay, yes. and that's kind of funny to say it that way. But we know what to say. We know all the talking points. But I do. I do encourage. You know. You know. You know the that. You know when you talk about uncertainty, and I said before in the monologue. You can't have hope without uncertainty existing. <laughs> you know? Very and, true. The, yeah, and with that regard, um, with my faith, and you know, those who are listening, um, uh, you know, Revive ministry's whole mission is to kind of inspire us asking and continuing asking the question: Why do we do what we do? And kind of continue to dialogue in a safe place. But in regards to my own personal journey in my faith, I would say the one I just look at like because I went to a like a math you know STEM university nah, you know that's very technical university so math was the key so Albert Einstein I read a lot of his stuff and one of the things was the one constant in life is change right so when I kind of go through the thought process at the same time everything changes are relationships there's so many variables that are mind blowing but when it comes to my faith in God and the constant of God He stays the same and that for myself at the very beginning is very I don't know comforting because everything changes even good change is stressful you know what I mean it's just like so many things so I feel that you know whatever faith you're in whatever you believe whatever your why is I do encourage you to um, explore it a little bit deeper So, um, in regards to you know we talk about substance use and I also have to you know, mention this month is also uh, Suicide Prevention Week, you know, World Suicide Day and all that. And I just wanted to share this quote and get your thoughts. If you want to show me that you really love me, don't say that you would die for me. Instead, stay alive for me. And, and, to stay, and when I think of this in, in the context that helps me, and I want to hear your thoughts, Morgan, it's more about defining things in our lives. You know the context doesn't fit, and I feel um, uh, this quote speaks a lot to me. So, what, what, when you hear this quote, what does it say to you, Morgan?
1: Well, I think it really reminds me of my my why today. You know, mm-hmm. I deal with a lot of you know non non active suicidal ideation, and like mm-hmm. that that question of like you know what's the point will come up occasionally through my mind, and yeah. um, I am a survivor of, of nine suicide attempts, and um, and I must say that like every day that I take action to improve my life and to continue moving, like I'm demonstrating to the rest of my family and friends that, that I love them and I care about them because I know that they, they love and care and support me um, and have supported me through the darkest times, and and the more that I can continue to grow and increase my ability to, uh, to want to live, you know, and, and, and that's, uh, that to them gives them comfort. And, um, and also it's in a way for me, it's making an amends to my family and my friends. Um, when I'm constantly striving to do my best and be my best and I may fall short. I do Mm -hmm. fall short, you know, Mm -hmm. certain days, but, um, Just the fact that I'm trying, you know, and and I'm willing uh, to them is is really demonstrating how much I love them and in turn love myself today.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I I, I, you family was, you know, for me, a big part of why I'm still here today. (laughs) You know, family's not perfect and they're messy at times. But for me, I remember, you know, you know, I've attempted a few times. And I just remember um, just being very lucky. You know, not everyone makes it. And that's why we talk about these things. But at the same time, I just remember when I was, you know, after those few suicide attempts and after losing people that I know, I just thought of sometimes it's just a split second of my family. And what, what would that look like? Um, so the pain is pain is real and I do not minimize. And everyone's situation is different. This quote is not to say, you should not, you should stay alive. No, it is understanding that we need to define things. You know, sometimes it seems so dark. And um, as a peer and one who lost friends close to me in suicide, and also a veteran who understands that just dying for someone can be taken out of context. Life is much more compli- complicated than that. Saying choosing life is courageous. You know, it is, it is courageous. And... I'm not minimizing those in extreme pain right now who are struggling but I want to share briefly again the the US um, that in the US the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 1-800-273-8255 but suicide is something hard to talk about but needs to be talked about you know and for me um, everyone's like recovery is different um, how and how we process these things are different, but I do encourage, um, you know, just that split second. I remember just family, for me being uh, my mom's Korean, <laughs> and um, it just for me it was just I'm just I just feel really blessed the family, and not that they had all the answers, and a lot of times they didn't, but I just you know some of those last minute split second when I'm like I'm done, you know I am just done. I just thought of them and I just I said today's really stinked Morgan but I'll try again tomorrow
1: <laughs> yeah and sometimes the best thing I can do is just lay my head down on the pillow and and know that I'm I'm sober and I'm safe you know yeah, and yeah. and sometimes that is a good day like yeah. <laughs> even though it felt like a horrible day yeah but, like, it's um, I, I agree with you. I think that suicide is really hard for people to talk about and and even like the concept of suicidal ideation. I know for me, over the last five and a half years of recovery, like one thing that has made a lot, of, I'm in a recovery community and I, I go to meetings and um, and I share openly. And one thing that truly helped me in the beginning was, was raising my hand and talking about how I was feeling. And sure, like 60% of the room were probably like, wow, this person, um, you know, there there was a lot of judgment there. And and I think that it scares people. It scares people whenever we talk openly and honestly. And it's like, how could you even like think that way? But unless you think that way and unless you've walked that path, I don't think that you have any idea what that Mm. feels like. And the biggest lifesaver for me over the years has been having that full transparency and being Mm -hmm. able to say, Hey, I'm not okay right now. And, Mm -hmm. and remembering that it's okay to not be okay, you know, but just don't live with it in your head because I I give my thoughts tons of power whenever I don't share them. And, um, that's been huge for me. It doesn't really matter who is receiving the end of that message of, of how I'm feeling in that moment. It's the fact Mm -hmm. that I got it out and I was willing to share it, you know, um, and and it just relieves me of that burden and and allows me to kind of take that moment for pause and allow the answers to come just like that quote you shared yeah you know because they do come if you pause
0: (laughs) yeah they do um you know um i i mentioned a lot of times um about environment and environment is not just a place a lot of times it's a it's how we see things you know how we how we how we take the time to reflect um being transparent, sharing, you know, can be has been for me very conducive too. It has been, you know, understanding that um, there's a Pratt study that uh, makes uh, it says that people who seem on the outside like they have it all together are less I don't know less approachable, and I think it's it's very our imperfections actually help us draw even closer it's not knowing all the right answers at the right time I say to my wife sometimes sometimes we're going through or talking about things out and it's just like everything doesn't have to be solved today it's the journey it's this one word I, I learned quite recently it's called Vacilando in Spanish but there's different interpretations but the way I like to say it is throw the map out and it's just embrace the journey Embrace the process of healing. A lot of times we rush through it, and it looks different. I may not understand what you're going through, Morgan, and that's okay. I can still support you. You know, <laughs> It's funny because a lot of times, especially in my beginning, I wanted people to understand so badly. <laughs> and a lot of times that took a lot of energy, and let's just be honest, it got very discouraging because at the end of the day, even the closest people in my life didn't understand. But they can still support me. You know what I mean? course. Nice. Then, um, you know, like I said, recovery, even even with its hope aspect, is usually not talked about because of how messy recovery can be. Suicide, like, equally is, is hard to talk about because all the pain that it kind of jogs out, especially those who have lost someone close to them. You know, all these... so. I know, I know at the same time with all this and culturally and everything that makes me Robert and makes you Morgan, we have some stigma that builds up. And sometimes it comes from the external and sometimes it's just embedded within ourselves. I just remember <laughs> that we, we kind of tell her, at least from my experience. The best example is just, just, you know, someone with um, one of my friends has a, a sibling that has autism nonverbal. a lot it's a lot it's kind of it's like but when i went to see them with my friend she was like um you know this 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 over explaining you know what i'm talking about morgan over explaining and they're like oh you know this i'm like i'm just spending an hour (laughs) or a little bit more with this person and she lives with it all her life it kind of shows kind of how people um, how how stigma can work in some lives, and they even notice that it's happening. It's instilled in this person that they have to over explain because a little amount of inconvenience for the person, you know. So for me, the journey of stigma and, and recovery, it kind of uh, it, it has changed in my mind as I kind of as as I change. But at the same time, I know it's very present. So how has stigma impacted your journey of recovery, Morgan?
1: Well, I think once one part is that like in the beginning, I didn't realize the stigma was truly coming from my own judgment. Mm -hmm. Sure. Other people have their own opinions and views. And uh, it's kind of for a long time, I think addiction and and mental health have been like this taboo thing that we don't talk about. But um, I think I placed a lot of stigma on myself. And so when interacting with other people who weren't on a recovery journey, Mm -hmm. um, I started thinking like, that I was less than and and therefore my actions showed that and which kind of created this like chain reaction of me going in the circle of self-pity. And as I've become to understand what the the journey to recovery truly looks like in in my own experience is that um, the less that I can judge myself, the easier it is for me to see past what other people think, you know, I think it comes down to like a people pleasing thing and wanting to be accepted and that need to be enough. Mm-hmm. And, um, when I realize that I am enough and that my story is, is valuable, and it holds weight in certain moments and in other moments, it may not be as valuable to the other people that are listening to it. Um, I, th- I just, I really just come back to this place of understanding that I place a lot of stigma on myself. Yeah. Um, And I, and I can see how that shows up in conversations. You know, I, I truly, you know, completely submerged myself into recovery community. Everyone Mm -hmm. in my life was, I mean, I moved here from California to Jacksonville
0: Mm -hmm. and,
1: um, I literally, none of my friends were, I guess, in quotations, air quotations, normal, which I'm not really sure what that is today, but, um, but in my mind, like everyone was in recovery. And so as I started branching out and getting jobs and working with people that, that didn't understand anything with addiction or mental health, um, that's whenever I started placing a lot of internal stigma on myself mm-hmm. and creating that separation. You know, and and I think it's all, it comes back down to education. So if someone doesn't understand it, they're usually afraid of it, (laughs) which ties directly into what we're talking about Mm -hmm. today is that uncertainty. You know, Mm -hmm. most people, whether they're on a path of recovery or not, um, they don't handle uncertainty well. And I think Mm -hmm. that that's one cool thing that people like us in recovery, we've we've had to like fight that battle and we've had Mm to, you know, create the hope and, and cultivate that courage within ourselves and through relying on others. And, um, I know that that was a very long-winded explanation.
0: No, no, no. But how stigma uh,
1: has impacted me, but I, I, think over the last couple of years, I've truly realized that I'm the one that has placed a lot of the stigma on myself. And when others have stigma against, you know, recovery and addiction and all of that, it's my job to to educate. You know. Yeah.
0: I feel like also um, I I don't I was trying to look for it. I have a list of quotes. I'm not that. Intelligent <laughs> in that way but there was this one quote that said um um, um the way we um don't expect to solve the problems that, um the, with the same thinking you had when you created it so like it's kind of like it's i don't like the idea of this oh don't you know doing things the same way now it's even more subtle because we won't even notice it <laughs> it's just the way we think our thought structure so it's like I may not be thinking exactly a self-sabotaging way of thinking about my own recovery, but in a subtle way, I am. I'm, I'm positioning myself to that realization because this enoughness, like you were talking, I was reading a book about uh, how much pressure, enoughness, you know how you know the standard has changed and the urgency has changed vastly. But one thing that kind of helps combat that, and I don't think, I think everyone's different i have i surround myself with positive people you know because there's a difference between the house and the home you know everyone needs a house to live in but a supportive family is what builds a home and a family you know family is defined that any you know it's not just people who are blood related a lot of times we find a lot more comfort with those who've gone through something similar but at the same time no one could truly understand even the ones in your recovery, those who maybe you have the similar diagnosis or whatever through what you're going through because there's so much different variables and context of your own background and culture that but at the same time, I think a healthy community like you're talking about that inspires you know to kind of not only accountability but also this um this safe place to be wrong mm. <laughs> i take, I used to say this to um some of them, I still do Bible studies with some young. One is actually going to college in FSU, <laughs> starting this semester. I'm proud of him, but I just remember uh, just saying to them, first time seeing them, I'm like, "Why do you go to church?" And it's like it's it, people are horrified, especially people in the church, because like, "Oh, we need to keep them," but that's right, you already lost them because you, you have the wrong way of of processing that thought for me defining things really helped me in my recovery and that helped me not it's, it's, it's difficult with stigma because I think it seeds deep of how we view ourselves. Like you mentioned, Morgan, right? But when we have a house, uh, when we have a home and not a house, it does provide that, that process of growth towards something. You know, it's not that we have everything figured out today, but asking the question why we do what we do. And I, it, we, We talked about this in the beginning, but what is your why in life? You know, proselytizing. We do not proselytize because I know people have been hurt for various reasons. And a lot of times they get hurt because of a lot of fear that's out there. And like you said, not enough education or not enough time. Um, So um, on this topic, um, um, just to suspend and just ask you again to kind of wrap things up because... All this is great, you know, recognizing, paying tribute to Recovery Month and Suicide Prevention Week. But how is it um, um, in our own lives? How, Why does this matter? Why does this matter? Why do you do what you do, Morgan? And uh, I'll share my part after that, and then we will wrap things up.
1: Yeah. I think, I mean, kind of going back to what you were saying about Albert Einstein and that change is inevitable, you know, <laughs> yeah.
0: change,
1: change is promised, you know, yeah. none of this is permanent. And so my why is currently shifting and changing. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's constantly changing, yeah. but, um, for me, especially as an interventionist and as someone who connects families to healing, uh, mm-hmm. connect people to healing, um, For me, my why is that if I can just make one simple change in someone's life, if I can just plant one seed of hope, um, that helps me, you know, and, and so I feel like it's a cycle that I've, I've made it through, Mm -hmm. you know, difficult times. And it's, I look at it as, as my, um, not duty, but. It's my calling to truly be able to help others walk through and bridge that gap, you know, bridge that gap from the place of stigma, from the place of hiding, from, you know, the place of fear over mm-hmm. to the other bank of hope and um, and recovery and healing. And um, that brings me joy. And, and so mm-hmm. quite honestly, I am a little selfish. I enjoy uh, inspiring change in others because it makes me it makes me feel good. And, yeah. um, and I enjoy feeling good.
0: You know, um, I, there was one person who, I don't know, it was a seminar. And uh, they were talking about um, you know, what our passions are. Why we, you know, I just remember he said there was a cook. And he, he asked the question, why do you like cooking? And he mentioned everything. Like, oh, I, I like making the food, all that stuff. But when he asked the question, why enough times? It was because it he truly his passion is to bring people together and food was his vehicle
1: oh i love that yeah so
0: for me it's it's not so much like 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 this this platform the podcast i love doing it because i'm able to con- connect with people at a very safe place that we could talk mm-hmm. about things that normally we don't have time or we don't make time to talk about and at the same time um you know, when it comes to my why, it simply it, it goes back to you know my story with uh, my friend with nonverbal autistic sibling, but also even furthermore, uh, you know I go to the derivative of love, with, love a lot of things. Why do I care about those things? Because of the people I care, the people in my life. You know, the pain I see around me. It's not that I I know that it's. I, I, why do we care about mental health? Why do we care about suicide? Because the families and friends are affected by it. Now, if if what for me, I go to the most simplest. It is messy. Yes, it is. It is extremely messy. But at the same time, why is it worth it? Because you know our value doesn't stem by by the circumstance we're in right now. You know we are not. You know a lot of times we kind of get locked in by some some toxic. Uh, I would say toxic comfortability by a diagnosis but I, I I, my recovery when I went further than that I'm more than just that you know I am Robert I'm trying to and I loved what you said when you said I like helping people it makes me feel good I would even further say my helping people became part of my healing my my serving others became my recovery and for me I form more value from that because Those people who are not here today, those people who I, you know, they didn't make it. I feel, for me, I'm emphasizing what I wish I could have said. But at the same time, I know that I play a part, but everyone else does play a part. Why do we care? Why do I care about this stuff? Because I keep it simple, because every single person affected by it. And when it comes to substance use, it comes to mental health, it comes to suicide affects a lot of us so my passion my why kind of ties into my healing together with my recovery so it's kind of i, I that is my why I, like you said morgan it keeps changing as we grow so as, as time changes so any final thoughts you would like to share with those listening today i know there's a lot that we covered but um anything you want to share more
1: sure i um I just want to speak to to anyone that might be feeling really heavy in, in an emotional space right now, and um, anyone who's who's struggling with depression and thoughts of not being able to go on. Um, I just want that that person or those people to know that you are special and um, you are loved, and that there is always another way. You know. There is always another way and there are always people who are willing to help. And and I'm one of those people. And I, and I welcome anyone, anywhere that needs someone to talk to or um, just really wants someone to answer the phone, you know, um, to reach out. And, and you can put up my number anytime, um, anywhere, and it's, uh, it's 904-362-0497. And um, I am always available, you know. And um, there is always another way, and there's there is a uh, a path back to home, a path back to happiness, and um, a path back to you. So,
0: thank you, Morgan. You know, I um, will share all anything else in the notes for those who are listening. I wanna, I was gonna um, add a little bit right here as we wrap up. Um, I said this before, but um, obviously people say it better than me. I just like saying that because I'm like that. Rachel neiman Remen says the willingness to consider possibility requires a tolerance of uncertainty. The good news is only as good as the bad news was. If I lost a dollar and I found it, it it's nice, but it's not great. You know, it's not amazing. But when you have someone who's struggling, or even my recovery, and then Wanting to even go deeper further in my recovery. Those, those good and bad moments become positive ones when we look back at it. Like, you said, like those days when I'm on the bed before and I said, today was bad. Let me try again tomorrow. I'm still here because of that. So I just encourage those who are listening um, to find the help. Find the resources and um, ask for help because it's okay to not be okay thank you morgan for sharing your insight and being with us on this journey of you know um, paying tribute to finding hope and for recovery and suicide prevention week but also holding on to hope I want to share with those who are watching also that you could go to find all the updates with Rived Ministries at Revived and it's our website. I'll leave you with this last quote. And it says this um it says from Wayne W. Dwyer. He says, Change that change the way you look at things and the things you look at change. A little different now, I usually put uh, the promo, and I am, but this time we're going to go a little bit further. It's September right now when this is uploaded. We're looking towards November to January, and I hope you enjoy the new topics that or returning topics that are coming up in Revive Ministries, and this is goodbye for now. Revive Ministries wants to say that despite the challenging times we live in today, We're extremely grateful for all the inspiring stories of hope shared last year. Revive Ministry has ambitious goals for the future. We plan to have a more structured monthly theme and engaging topics that we we are extremely excited about. 92 episodes in, in just over a year and more already scheduled to be uploaded, your help would be much appreciated. Look at the details of the episode to find out more. And as always, stay safe and thank you for listening.